0: Some of you may have grown up in the old days, and popular comedian entertainer, comedian entertainer, Bill Cosby, said now that his father is a grandfather, he said he can't, just can't wait to give money to his kids. He said when I was a kid, I asked him for 50 cents, and he would tell me the story of his life how he got up at 5 a.m. when he was 70 years old and walked 23 miles to milk 90 cows. And the farmer for whom he worked had no bucket, so he had to squirt the milk into his little hand and then walk eight miles to the nearest can, all for five cents. The result was, he said, I never got my 50 cents. But now, he said, he tells my children every time he comes into the house, well, let's see how much money old granddad has for his wonderful grandkids. And the minute they take the money out of his hands, I call them over to me, he said, and I snatch it away from them. He said, because that is my money. (laughs) I guess you can relate to that a little bit. Today we are talking about fingerprints of a father. I know this can be a difficult day for some people because either their father has passed away or maybe they grew up with a father who really wanted nothing to do with them and they don't know their father. They have a father wound that goes extremely deep and painful and I understand that. And others of us have had good fathers. We've been blessed and so it's all across the board. When we talk about fingerprints of a father we're really looking at the blessing that a father can pass on to his children. Our country's, somebody asked the question, what is our country's biggest problem? They answered it by saying, a lack of a father's blessing. There was an FBI study that studied the 17 kids who shot their classmates in towns like Paducah, Kentucky, Pearl, Mississippi, Littleton, Colorado. All 17 shooters had only one thing in common. They had a father problem. It's unbelievable. There's something about it when a man doesn't get along with his father. It makes him mean, it makes him dangerous, and it makes him angry. Bill Glass wrote in The Power of a Father's Blessing, In Christianity today, in January of 2006. He said, On the day before Father's Day, he was in North Carolina in a juvenile prison. He said he ate lunch with three boys. He asked the first boy, Is your dad coming to see you tomorrow on Father's Day? He said, No, he's not coming. Why not? I asked. He's in prison. I asked the second boy the same question and got the same answer. I asked the third one why his dad wasn't coming and he said he got out of prison about nine months ago and he's doing good and I'm proud of my father. He's really going to be a good dad to me and he's going to go straight. He said he could tell he was protesting so strongly because something was still wrong. So he said how many times has he been here to see you since he got out of jail nine months ago. He said he hasn't made it out yet. Why not? Well, he lives way, way away. Where does he live? He lives in Durham. Durham was only two hours away. Bill Glass said he had gone 1,500 miles to visit this young man, and his dad couldn't travel two hours. There are a lot of fathers who are really deserters. And so when he went to the prisons, he always challenged the inmates to bless their kids. So when we think about in terms of fingerprints, today we're going to look at five fingerprints that fathers should strive to leave on the lives of their children. The blessing, the influence, the impact that we make on our children and our grandchildren. How do we instill those fingerprints on those kids? I think it's instilled by our ideas, our beliefs, our doctrines, our behavior we embrace and live out day by day. That's how we're going to pass it on. I try to think about, even as Paul challenged us this morning, where would we be without our fathers today? I doubt that I would be in a pulpit preaching in a church. without the influence and the impact of a father. So it is important. If you haven't had that kind of fingerprint on your life, it's not too late to get it there are other people in the church that God can bring into your life to be an adoptive father to you and pass on a blessing and an encouragement that'll carry you through God has done that many times over so I want to encourage you in that but let's look at these five fingerprints together and I hope that all of us are challenged by it the first one is the fingerprint of affection If you open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we'll look at verses 8 through 12. We have to look back to see a little bit of the context. Paul talks about, in verse 11, he says, of chapter 2 in 1 Thessalonians, he says, "'You know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children.'" But let's go back to get the context to see how did he really deal with them as a father. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship So the very first fingerprint that Paul places on these Thessalonian believers who are new believers in Christ is the fingerprint of affection. We cannot overly give that affection to our kids and our grandkids. It is so vital. Paul says, you, we loved you so much in verse 8, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel but our lives as well. He's saying that his affection was such that he was willing to sacrifice his life for them. He loved them so much, it was like a son who was a son who was estranged from a father who brings heartache. He just had that kind of affection to be drawn to them. There's a commitment to God and the gospel to have that kind of affection. See, if I take seriously my relationship to God and my relationship to the gospel then I will take seriously my commitment of affection, of putting that fingerprint on my kids and my grandkids. It will be there. I want to pass that on. Affection is demonstrated through a close relationship. We communicate affection through, let me give you a couple of ideas. How do we communicate our affection? Through our words. We communicate it. In 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 5, Paul says this, Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but it did come in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. And then he says this, You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Circle those words, among you. Affection. Close relationship. It is not a distant relationship aloof relationship. Some of you had relationships with your father that was aloof and distant. He never told you that he loved you, that you were unique, that you were special, that you were valuable, that you meant something, that you were going to accomplish something in your life. Your father never told you that. And that is a father wound if you've never received that from your father because you should receive it from your father. And if you haven't, then you're going to be looking for that from somebody else. And the good news is you can get it from somebody who knows Christ. You can absolutely receive that. And I would encourage you to develop relationships in the church so you can have that blessing on your life. There's no aloofness here, no distance. Paul is right there with them in an intimate relationship. He says in 1 Thessalonians, Or, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 4.14. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. He says, you had become so dear to us. We loved you so much. He says, I prefer you above others, not because others aren't worthy of my love, but because I know you intimately, and I long for your spiritual development. Joseph took his two sons in Genesis... To his father Jacob, you'll recall, in Genesis chapter 48. And he takes his two boys in there and Jacob places his hands on Ephraim and Manasseh's heads to bless them. Actually, he crossed his hands to do it because he said the younger one is going to be greater than the older one. But he blessed them. He put his hands on them and blessed them. His words and his touch affection. Some of you, the only touch you had from your father was a strike. You never had affection and love. Guess what? You have a heavenly father that loves you and cares about you. And he can heal the wound that no one else can heal. He can do that in our lives. Let me ask you a question. Do do your children know How special and unique they are, have you told them? Do you communicate that with your words, blessing your children with your words, sharing stories from your past about wise decisions you made and maybe some decisions that weren't so wise? Why? So they can learn from our mistakes as well. There's also face-to-face interaction. Don't just tell them over the phone. Write them a note is good powerful. Tell them face to face. Not on Facebook. Tell them to their face. Paul says that he told them to his face. In First Thessalonians, look in chapter 2, verse 17. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in thought, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because of the affection he wanted to be with them. Investing in your children with your words. Secondly, investing in them with our actions. Look in Romans 1.11. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. We have the ability as fathers and grandfathers to strengthen our children and grandchildren with our actions. One of the actions is being faithful in church. Because you see, there are statistics that say when you are faithful in church, your kids are going to be more faithful. That's a statistic it's proven from history. You want, you want your kids to be faithful in church? You be faithful in church. Don't let all these other things come in and crowd that out. It is, in, it is incredible in our culture how that has become, church just move, keeps moving down a notch and a notch and a notch. And it's another step closer to the door and another step closer to paganism. We have to, with our actions, speak louder than our words, right? Yeah, they do. We need to invest in our children to strengthen them. And in order for me to do that, I have to know where do my children need to be strengthened. So what do I have to do as a father or a grandfather? I have to take a spiritual inventory Of my children's lives to say where are they lacking in their spiritual development how are they doing with self-discipline how are they doing with self-control how are they doing with handling money how are they doing with handling relationships how do they deal with disappointment how do they what is their attitude toward God's Word I do an inventory to say how do I encourage them and how do I strengthen them in that area by taking a moral inventory to measure their maturity. It's vital that we do that. We as dads have that responsibility. We have spiritual oversight to do that. And it's actually a privilege to be able to do that. How are they doing with decision making? How Are they they a patient person or are they impulsive? and how can I help them become more patient? and so all these things you see there's a man in the Old Testament if you write down first Samuel chapter 2 you will see Eli the priest who what did he do what happened with his sons he failed to discipline them he never measured their maturity to challenge them to grow and become godly men and you know what the Bible says they refuse to listen to their father's rebuke. That's a sad commentary. If you are a child here today and you refuse to listen to your father's rebuke, you are on dangerous ground. I can tell you, you're on dangerous ground. Because God has given them that authority and responsibility. He goes on to say in Philippians Chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Do you hear the love coming out of Paul's heart? Stand firm in the Lord. Don't waver. Don't vacillate. Stand firm. Take your stand in the Lord. So here's a question. What am I currently doing to help my children stand firm in the Lord? And here's a little summary statement about a father's fingerprint of affection. A father's fingerprint of affection toward his children will be determined by how much he senses God's love for him. You want a verse for that? Write down Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who what? Who loved me and gave himself for me when Paul understood the love of God for him look what happened to his life he loved those around him if you have a love problem your problem is your relationship with God your relationship with God is right you're going to love other people you just will God will help you do that especially your children and grandchildren Well, let's move on Fingerprint number two that we want to place on our kids that is absolutely vital. Fingerprint of example. Our example, our actions speak so loud. Our influence in their lives. Look in verse 10, even verse 9. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. You saw our example. We worked night and day In order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you, you are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. You saw our example. How we lived. Holy lives. He says this, about our influence in Second Thessalonians 3, 8, and 9. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. He knew they were young Christians and believers, and he said it was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. Paul was more concerned about being an example to these believers than exercising his right. In Roman families, the image of the father was severe and harsh, especially when he warned his children about the temptations of life. The Greek moralist Plutarch had another approach. He said that a father should not use beatings, but rather reason, exhortation, counsel, and praise of good conduct to instruct his children to follow virtue and to shun vices there are occasions however when a father has the responsibility to reprove his child and that might include spanking but the correction should always be coupled with kindness in all cases the father should be an example to his children and one of the primary responsibilities of the father is to teach his child with moral instruction Michael Reagan received many gifts from his father, President Ronald Reagan. But at the 40th president's sunset funeral, Michael described the greatest gift a child could receive. And here's what he said He said, I was so proud to have the Reagan name and to be Ronald Reagan's son. What a great honor. He gave me a lot of gifts as a child, he gave me a horse. He gave me a car, he gave me a lot of things. But there's a gift he gave me that I think is wonderful for every father to give every son. He said last Saturday when he opened his eyes for the last time, that's when I realized the gift that he gave to me. That he was going to be with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He had back in 1988 on a flight from Washington DC to Point Mugo, told me about his love of God, his love of Christ as his Savior. He says, I didn't know then what it all meant, but he said, I certainly know now. I can't think of a better gift, he said, for a father to give a son. And he says, I hope to honor my father by giving my son Cameron and my daughter Ashley the very same gift he gave to me. Knowing where he is, he said this very moment, this very day, that he is in heaven I can only promise my father this, Dad, when I go, I will go to heaven too. And you and I and my sister Marine, who went before us, will dance with the heavenly hosts of angels before the presence of God. He says, we will do it melanoma and Alzheimer's free. Thank you for letting me share my father, Ronald Wilson Reagan. What a tribute to a father because of his example. Not only being aware of our influence, but in our attitude in how we behave. Paul says, my toil and hardship. Why was Paul doing that? Was he bragging about all the hard work he was doing? No. What he was saying is, you know what? The false teachers are charlatans. They're not working hard. They just want to get your money. Paul's saying, I'm not like that. I'm here to love you and share my life with you and give my life for you in toil and hardship to show you the genuineness of my faith. And how important that was for them to know that Paul's integrity before the Thessalonians was important. And so is our integrity as dads and granddads. See, Paul said we have two witnesses to our integrity. He said you, the Thessalonians, and God notice what he says in verse 10 you are witnesses of our integrity our lives and so is God the reason he said and so is God because in Jewish culture remember you had to have everything established by two or three witnesses Paul's establishing the authenticity of his testimony by two or three witnesses that's what he was doing he's saying you've seen what kind of lives we've lived but even the part you haven't seen God has seen and we're still people of integrity he says in 2nd Corinthians 13:1, this is the third time I am coming to you every charge he said must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses so here's a couple questions in regard to our example are our children imitating our behavior and is our behavior a good model to copy That's the question. Are we being a good model to copy? A father's fingerprint of example will be determined by how much he is following the example of Christ in his own life. Our example of following Christ. Let's go to fingerprint number three. We'll go through these last three quickly. Fingerprint of encouragement. Fingerprint of encouragement. Notice what he says down in verse 11 and 12. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. We came alongside of you. We supported you with our words, with our action, with our presence. That's the encouragement, with our touch. We encouraged you. And notice what he says in verse 11 carefully. For you know that we dealt with not all of you, each of you. Why is that important? Because every one of our children are unique. And our grandchildren. They have different strengths and weaknesses, likes and dislikes. And we have to understand what those are and how God wired them. Train up a child in the way he should go, in the way that God wired him so when he's old he won't depart from it. How has God wired them? How do you communicate? Our two boys are as different as night and day. Right, guys? (laughs) And the way they respond, and so the way we discipline or deal with them will be different. Why? Because they're different. And we have to deal with them differently in encouragement. We've gotten out of the habit of doing this because you kind of go through different phases. But when our boys were really young, uh, every Friday was treat day with dad. And you know what the treat was? It was a big one. We would get in the car and we would drive to Sheets gas station and get a blue juice. That was it. And you know what I've learned? As they get older, the treats get a little more expensive. (laughs) I wish it didn't work that way. But they do they get a little more expensive but you know what it it was it was a bonding time it was an encouraging time and maybe if they had to be disciplined they might lose their their treat but it was an opportunity for dad to bond with them And there were things that we did at the school they had different things donuts with dad just what I needed donuts with dad you know there's always something that included food it seemed like but encouraging Each one of you, learning what brings the greatest encouragement to your children. Let me ask you a question. What is the greatest prayer you have ever prayed for your children? The greatest prayer you've ever prayed for your children. And if the prayer was answered, how would it impact the cause of Christ? I'm still thinking about that myself. But example... Many kids, many of you will remember the name John Ashcroft. He served in D.C. I believe he was the Attorney General. He said, Many kids wake up to the smell of coffee brewing or the sound of a rooster crowing. He says, My wake up call was my father's passionate praying filtering through the house. He said, Sometimes I'd ease downstairs and join him. One knee was usually raised, so I'd slip in underneath, shielded by his body, as he pleaded for my soul. He said, I never caught Dad praying for our happiness. He realized that the pursuit of happiness for its own sake is a frustrating, disillusioning, often futile effort. Happiness usually hides from those addicted to its sugar while it chases after those caught up in something more lasting than momentary excitement. I never heard him pray for a bigger house, car, bank account. Instead, he prayed that our hearts would be ignited and inspired to do things of eternal consequence. Turn our eyes from the temporal, the physical, and the menial, he prayed, and toward the eternal, the spiritual, and the noble. He says, my father never pressured us toward achievement. He knew that the push had come from inner reserves, not outward designs. He simply dangled before us the possibilities. And then here's his closing line. Thanks to his example, we sometimes took the bait. Our example. A father's fingerprint of encouragement will be determined by how often he receives encouragement from God's Word. Number four, fingerprint of comfort. He says in verse 12, encouraging, comforting. Let me just give you this. A father's fingerprint of comfort will be determined by how much comfort he has received from God in a painful situation. If you have been through a painful situation and received the comfort of God, then you can disciple and shepherd your child. But if you have not gone through a painful situation with God's help and grace, it's going to be kind of hard to pass it on. We can only give what we have received. And so sometimes God brings pain into our life, not just to teach us, but to teach our children and our grandchildren. That pain speaks to us, and God speaks to us. He is the God of all comfort. I don't know what kind of pain you have in your life, but I know the God who has comfort for your pain. And I know the God who can heal your pain. He heals broken hearted. The Bible says Jesus came to heal the broken hearted. And he will do that. So the fingerprint of comfort is so vital, and sometimes God uses someone with skin on to wrap their arms around and say, you know what, it's going to be okay. You know what we're guilty of as dads sometimes? Suck it up, son, when they're in pain. Wrong thing to say. You know what we should say? I'm sorry you're going through such a hurtful experience." What are you doing? You're validating their pain. I'm sorry you're going through such a hurtful experience. How can I help? How can I encourage? How can I strengthen you through this and help them through it? Let me move on to the last one real quick, fingerprint of exhortation. He says, encouraging. Comforting, urging. Urging, exhortation, to earnestly persuade someone to do something. Paul was that kind of guy. He earnestly persuaded them to do something. And what was that something? It was to move toward God. He says. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus, as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God, just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. How often do we do that? We do it daily. Hebrews 3.13 says, Exhort one another daily, so we're not hardened through sin's deceitfulness. A father's fingerprint of exhortation will be determined by the confidence he has in God how can I persuade somebody else if I'm not convinced myself if I am thoroughly convinced and confident then I will pass that on to my children and grandchildren let's bow together for a word of prayer I just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes In a room this size, with an audience this size, there's a wide range of needs. We all have needs. We all have hurts, disappointments, broken pieces. God wants to heal them. I don't know what brought you here this morning or what was even on your mind as you came in the door. But I know God brought you here. It's not an accident, and I know He wants to work in your life and in my life to make us the fathers, the grandfathers that we need to be, to make each of us the Christians that He wants us to be. And we can come to Him just as we are. The Bible tells us we're born in sin, and that sin has separated us from God. But God, in His grace and mercy, sent Jesus to the cross to pay the penalty for sin so that we could be forgiven and give our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we have a sin nature, we are bent to do wrong. And the only way that can be corrected is to receive the new nature that comes from Christ the Bible says if any man be in Christ he is a new creation the old has gone and the new has come if you want to receive a new heart God can give you that he will forgive you of all your sin and give you a brand new start a clean heart a clean slate you just have to ask him and if you don't know how to do that I'll be greeting folk at the back door please approach me ask me how can I Ask Christ into my life to forgive me and make me a new person. That's why we're here. And then from there, you begin a journey, a journey with God to learn how to walk with Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy.org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.